0: Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a real special guest. Her name is Laura Noel, and she's an executive business and personal development consultant who works with organizations and individuals to help streamline business processes while maximizing profits. And who doesn't want to maximize profits in this day and age? She helps clients stretch their thinking in a way that opens them up to new possibilities. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur and CEO of her own company, Laura studied and taught personal growth, change management and leadership for over 27 years while serving in the United States Air Force. I find that hard to believe because she doesn't look at that age. She has helped solidly uh, solidify goals and improve corporate culture within government agencies, the Department of Defense, and construction, technical insurance, and sales organizations. Welcome, Laura.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: You know, it's an interesting world, and, you know, I think... COVID has put extra stresses on all of us, and I think uh, many people have had to adapt, and some people have had extreme problems with that.
1: Absolutely. It's been tough for everybody. I mean, I've seen individuals pivot their businesses, entrepreneurs, organizations pivot their businesses, individuals really you know, <laughs> taking a second look at what, what am I doing in life because of this pause?
0: Yeah. And I think that's what everybody has to do. And I think everybody has to look at where they are in their own lives and their own businesses. And they have to then get back to setting some goals. And I think that's the starting point, isn't it? No, Laura? Uh,
1: absolutely. It, you know, getting clarity. That's When I I talk to a lot of people who sort of feel lost and disconnected during this time, I advise them to get back to the basics and really just sit with themselves and figure out what is it that you truly desire? What do you want? And then start there and build a goal around it. Because without that goal, without a goal, we're lost.
0: I I once heard that a goal is a dream with a deadline. Is that not right?
1: Oh, yes. I say that all the time. It's like I I say a dream or a vision with a a time. And you're just guessing at the time. And it really, the way that I teach goal setting is different than what we're taught in school or what we're taught in organizations. They're not smart goals per se. They're literally dreams, um, things that you have no idea how to get there, you just want it. Um, that's a goal, you're excited and scared at the same time, that's what you're aiming for,
0: yeah. And when I, you know, I look at the prototype of a person that had a big goal, was Walt Disney. I, I mean, he had a goal of being this person that's going to be a number one guy in the entertainment industry, and he invented a little mouse, Mickey Mouse. And he had no idea of getting from point A to point B. But look at what he's developed now.
1: Absolutely. It's amazing. Um, And I remember there's a story about Walt Disney and about just the whole company in general. And somebody said, you know, "Look, look what he built. And he's not here to see this piece of it. And somebody had commented, he's already seen it. He's been there many times in his imagination, in his mind.
0: And that's where it all starts. It all starts with the imagination and it starts with a couple of resources. You know, one is the dream, one is the goal, but the other one is the people around you to help achieve those goals.
1: Absolutely. We sometimes, you know, I talk about being in the rat race all the time, people being stuck in the grind. And that's how I used to live my life day in, day out you know, I was just expending so much energy toward my goals. There was nothing really left for me to enjoy. I didn't have, I was missing out on the relationships and the fun. I just didn't have fun in my life, but it looked like from the outside looking in that I was, that I had it all together. And it's so important when I really learned how to, leverage the talents of other people to advance all of us much farther, much faster, and ask for support and give support, everything changed for me.
0: I I think that's the key. I think that's a huge key is, is we need to rely on others. You know, you have two ideas, Laura, and I have two ideas. And together, we don't have four ideas. We have a multiplicity of four ideas.
1: That's so true. That's so true. We just have to be willing to not allow ourselves to get stuck on the mechanism and the way that we're going to reach the goal. Because if we're just relying on what we know, we're holding ourselves back because there's infinite possibilities and we have so much power locked up inside of us. There's no telling what we're capable of doing. We're only using a small capacity of our brain power and of our energy. And we all have those blind spots. And so if we're just relying on what we know, well, we might be busy and it might, you know, we like to be busy because it feels like we're doing a lot of things, but we're actually just moving laterally. But when we can really open ourselves up to these other ideas and the plethora of options there are out there, you're right. We, we open ourselves up to just so much more.
0: Now, Laura, you talk about paradigms and how important that is and how and and can you go into paradigms a little bit and, and how you can change them?
1: Yes. So when we set goals, often what I find when I'm working with people and even when I started working with this material, um, we typically will set goals based on our past experience, what we've done in the past, what our challenges we might have had, our mistakes, our past credentials, but really none of that has any bearing on what you're capable of doing. And oftentimes we'll set goals based on those limiting beliefs, those false beliefs, those deep rooted beliefs that are in our subconscious mind that it's called a paradigm. Those beliefs are stored in our subconscious mind. And our paradigms and our beliefs are actually beliefs that have been passed down from generation to generation. So if you think about some of the things that you might do or say uh, that your ancestors did or said, and if you kind of just took a pause and questioned it, I mean, there's been so many times where I'm like, ah, I opened my mouth and my mother came out. Where did that come from? I don't even believe that. So if we really examined some of the things that we did or said and asked ourselves, Do I believe that? Why am I doing that? We would realize a lot of these beliefs didn't even originate with us. They're beliefs that were held on from generation to generation. And those are our paradigms. But our paradigms are what govern our habitual behavior. And most of our behavior is habitual. So in order to reach a goal you need to change your behavior. And that's what most people do is they automatically, they go on a diet and they, you know, get the trainer, they go on the workout plan, they go on the the nutrition plan and they have the plan and they're working toward that. They're changing their behavior, but then over the course of a month, maybe they've lost some weight. They always revert back to home base. It's because they didn't change their paradigm. That's the root cause of your results and your behavior.
0: Yeah, I I can understand that. And and Laura, you came from a set of deeply entrenched beliefs. The military and, and the military, for better or worse, frequently has deeply entrenched beliefs on how they should do things.
1: Yes. So we have our core values. And so I've spent just shy of 28 years in the military. So yes, we can have those paradigms that That have been passed down from generation to generation but we can also have corporate paradigms a paradigm can change one of two ways one is through an emotional impact something that happens to you and gets you to change a belief right there on the spot and the other way is through time-spaced repetition of a new idea so with the military for example we have our core values and we those were drilled into our minds from basic training, and we memorized them, and we recited them all the time, our airman's creed. We recited that at every ceremony, at every event. And so it became not words that were coming out of our mouths. It became a deeply rooted belief system. It was in every cell of our being, and that's who we became.
0: Yeah, hey, and and that's good. Uh, when you're, you know, if you have to go attack a hill and take it over, you need to have people following a certain methodology and doing a certain thing. Uh, otherwise, that hill is unlikely going to be taken. But, you know, in the world out there, what is more important is innovation and, and changing your beliefs so that the whole model changes uh, and it's not just an A to B thing, but it's much more holistic than that.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I really appreciate about my service in the Air Force is innovation is is a, a core belief. I mean, we were a newer service, so we were founded upon innovation. So I love that in my career, that was valued and that was instilled in us to not be afraid to make mistakes And organizations, I mean, any organization, really, they have a course that's, it's our, the culture, the corporate culture, that's a paradigm. Um, But it, absolutely, you have to be willing to, one, recognize what are the paradigms that are keeping you stuck, that are keeping you from your goal, Or from even setting a big, beautiful, worthy goal, a goal worthy of your greatness. And then you have to be willing to, as Buckminster Fuller says, you know, build a new model that makes the old one obsolete. You have to be able to just, you know, do it over, just redo it and make it obsolete, those old paradigms.
0: Yeah, I I was a dermatologist before I became a podcaster and a person in the motivational industry, and and my chairman of my department, Peter Lynch, on the first day that I was in dermatology school, he got up to what was then a blackboard, and most people don't know what a blackboard is anymore. Well, it's it's like the whiteboard out there with mar, but it had chalk rather than markers, <laughs> and, and what he drew was a box and he said for you students right now this is what you're going to learn in dermatology school he drew another box outside of that box and he said this is the world that is going to be taught to you in medical journals and the things that you will learn from your research and then he drew a box that was bigger than the blackboard. And he said, and he said, this is the world you have to live in because this is the world where new ideas and new beliefs are going to transform what we're doing now into a better place for everybody. It's going to transform the way we treat skin disease. And that's the way I've looked at life. I've looked at this as a way uh, that the beliefs we have now are just a stepping stone for the, what's going to come in the future.
1: Yes. And, and the goals that we set for ourselves, it's not about the goal. It's about who we get to become on the way to the goal. So it's about growth and expansion. And once we think we know it all, well, we don't, there's always more to learn and you just keep going.
0: Exactly. So, Laura, you write and speak about the path of least resistance. What do you mean about that?
1: Mm, so oftentimes we, well, we're we taught that um, hard work is the way to gain momentum and, and move forward in life and in business. We're taught to value that over anything else. But I would argue that the path of least resistance gets you much farther faster and it enables you to dip and tap into your God-given gifts, your imagination, your intuition, your ability to reason, your will, your memory and perception, and use those tools to um, to help you create and evolve. I find that when we are so stuck in the grind, when we're working hard, when we're not enjoying our lives, what we're not also doing is we're not creating space. For that growth and expansion for true thinking I love my mentor always says mental activity does not constitute thinking so being pushed in different directions and being pushed around by competing demands that that's not thinking but we fool ourselves into thinking that's progress and that's just lateral movement so the path of least resistance is learning how to quiet the noise tap into these god-given gifts so that you know what opportunities to leverage and when to help you gain the most momentum.
0: Yeah. I love the story of Tom Monahan and Domino's Pizza as an idea where Tom Monahan uh was a guy who bought a little pizza place uh, just outside of Detroit way back uh in the 60s and He paid about $600 for it. Within a couple of months, he bought three of these places and his brother decided it wasn't for him. He wanted to be a postman rather than a guy that worked in the pizza industry. So uh, Tom Monahan gave him the Volkswagen Beetle that they used to deliver pizzas and his brother went off in his way. You know, Tom kept on building and building and building and The thing that changed his pizza place into one of the dominant pizza places was a little saying that was there in 30 minutes or less, or your money refunded. Okay, that was the one thing that made him a dominant pizza place. It didn't say anything about tomatoes grown on the left side of uh, Vesuvius Mountain under the full moon. It didn't say anything even about good pizza. It just said there in 30 minutes or less or your money cheerfully refunded.
1: And that was an idea that came from inspiration, right? If, and if he was stuck in the grind and just re- you know, reacting to all of these things around him, that, I mean, that, that idea was brilliant.
0: Yeah, And you look at how many pizza places there are now. Oh, my right. God. There are so <laughs> many pizza places that yeah. it is unreal. But right. Domino's still is one of the top pizza places in the world. And when Tom Monahan sold it, he sold it for over a billion dollars for an investment of $600. Incredible.
1: Incredible.
0: And you don't get that from working in the industry. You have to work outside the industry and you have to let your brain be plastic. You know, these drive through windows that we go through uh, to get things that drive through restaurants that was invented by the banking system and the drive through restaurants adapted it for their own good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's
1: so many stories out there of of businesses that just kind of reinvented themselves or reinvented the way an industry, I mean, just think of Netflix and Blockbuster, you know, that's another example, Amazon, Apple, there's so many companies out there who have um, just shifted the balance in the way that we operate in life.
0: Well, and I think of Blockbuster, how they had a dominant place in the movie industry and they were offered to go online, but they said, thank you. No, thanks. And yeah. look what happened to Blockbuster.
1: Yep. And that's, and that's a consequence of not thinking and letting external circumstance drive your decision-making.
0: Yeah. And, and I think of the BlackBerry phone, which had a dominant place in the phone industry. And, and somebody said to them, why don't you put a camera on your phone? And the head of the company said, why in the world would a person want a camera on their phone (laughs) go figure (laughs) for me that's one of the dominant things i use a phone for is to take pictures
1: (laughs) yep i don't have a camera anymore that's what i use
0: (laughs) you know and i do have a camera i love cameras because they have more megapixels than a phone could use yet but i'm waiting for the day that my phone has enough megapixels that I can make a good enough picture for a magazine that I don't have to use my Olympus camera.
1: Yep. It's, it's coming.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that algorithm is going to be there someday where we can get all that megapixels in there. And I think that's going to be sooner than later.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because everything we need to manifest an idea like that, everything we need, the technology, the, the brain power it's already there. It's already here at our fingertips. You know, the technology for our cell phone has always been here. It's just when that desire came forth and that's that's what enabled us to kind of bring those pieces together. Nothing is created or destroyed. All of the resources we need are right here in front of us. And that's the wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, and I'm just laughing because just about a week ago, BlackBerry stopped making phones because they have been driven out of that industry by the other people that are in it.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So this is where that plastic mind is so important. So, Laura, how can people help develop a plastic mind? How can they look outside the box?
1: It takes practice. At first, you got to get a goal. You got to have something that you're working toward because we're wired to believe the beliefs that we have that are stored in our subconscious mind. And they do run the show. Again, most of our behavior is habitual. So in order for us to change it, we have to be the guardians of our thoughts. And we have to make a conscious decision, one, to go for a goal, to set a goal that we want. And to set a goal that's bigger than our paradigms, then two, we have to be aware of even what our paradigms are. What are the roadblocks, the mental roadblocks that are stopping us, preventing us from any forward momentum? Um, and then three, get a, a group or a mastermind or a coach, work with somebody that can help you overcome those, those blind spots because we all have them.
0: You know, and I, I think that is a w- wonderful secret and something that has been forgotten uh so many times. You know, Napoleon Hill, uh who put together clubs way back at the turn of the century, he wrote the book Think and Grow Rich, for those who don't know it. And he studied all the richest people in the world at that time. And, and what he found, one of the dominant things... To make people, uh, get to the top of their level, get to a different level was to put together a mastermind club, which was thinking individuals in or outside your field to help push you to another level. And, and I'm afraid that so many people have forgotten that or never implemented that. They have never gotten to the level that they just, that they'll ever be at.
1: No, it's not something that we're taught in school. We're not. I mean, and that's, and that goes back to my point earlier is learning how to leverage the talents of other people. That was a big, big aha and a big push for me and helping me gain momentum. And that's what a mastermind is all about. You don't want to just have a bunch of random people in your mastermind. You want to make sure that there are like-minded people who are interested in moving forward and they have things that you need and you can also help them. um, And they're taking it seriously, but it's been an important part of my growth.
0: Yeah. And I, I, uh, ran mastermind clubs in the cosmetic surgery arena for people, uh, for many, many years. And my initiation with mastermind was from a person by the name of Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy is also known as the millionaire maker. He was a business genius that helped people get to their highest level just by helping them get together in a group. And so I was together with lawyers. I was together with, uh, other thing, a real estate man, etc. in my mastermind club, and they helped me get to another level because the things that happen in other people's industries are probably more important than what happens in your industry any day.
1: There's so much power in that. You're so right.
0: Did the military ever put in mastermind clubs?
1: Um, we didn't call them mastermind clubs, but we did have organizations with different ranks. So it would bring a bunch of people together and we would do personal development together, have guest speakers. We would share any issues and get insight uh, and we would help each other. So I think in a lot of ways we did have a mastermind. So it wasn't foreign to me, that concept.
0: Well, and, and I think that's probably because it's unique to the Air Force. I think the Air Force was not afraid of that. You see yep. other groups are afraid of that because they're afraid that if people start thinking it will break the law and order that goes on you know and I I think you know when you repeat your 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 thing every day your mantra every day and as, as your identity and so on breaking that law and order sometimes is a very scary thing
1: it is a it's a frightening thing when you are leaving behind the person you thought you were to step into who you want to be. It there's a, it's, it's scary. I mean, I, I went through it. I, a lot of people listening probably have gone through it and transition in their life. I most certainly did when I transitioned from out of the military into entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. It is a very scary world, but at the same time, if you don't let go of those touchstones, You will never get to the level of greatness that you should be at.
1: Right, yeah. There's The comfort zone is comfortable and that's why people stay there. But it doesn't mean that people are satisfied in their comfort zone. There are a lot of people in their comfort zone who are also very dissatisfied with where they are.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Now, Laura, another thing you talk about is a knowing doing gap. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What is that and how do you close it?
1: Yeah. So that knowing, doing gap is your paradigm. So you having more knowledge doesn't mean that you're going, it's going to amount to anything. I mean, there's so many people out there who, and I love education. I'm in school again right now, but there are people with titles and degrees dripping off their business cards and they're still stuck. And then you could see somebody else who might not have those advanced degrees who really everything they touch turns to gold It's not the knowing that necessarily moves you forward, although you do need the requisite skills to do what you want to do. But there's generally what I call that knowing doing gap. They have all of this information locked up in their conscious mind, but they don't know how to do anything with it. And so that knowing doing gap is their paradigm. That's it's their thought processes that are blocking them.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And and I think that's what people need to get at. They need to have those goals. They need to break those paradigms. Yeah. And they really need to get beyond where they are now to get to another level. Now, Laura, I always end the show with two questions. And one is a personal question. And it's a tough question to answer. The number one, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. Laura, how do you live a fantastic life?
1: Uh, I live a fantastic life when I make sure that I have space for myself to, to think. I put my, that space for myself first before anything else so that I'm connected and present with everything and everyone that I come in contact with. So that's what helps me lead a, a wonderful life.
0: Well, that's huge. That's huge now. Here's the flip side of that. We have listeners here today. How should our listeners have a fantastic life?
1: Get in touch with your mental faculties, your imagination in particular, and your intuition, that little voice in your mind that tells you, bring the umbrella, it's going to rain, and then you typically ignore it, and then you step outside on the sunny day and you get poured on. So learn to trust your intuition. It's your guiding light.
0: Yeah. And, and I want people to step out of their comfort zone. Yes. I want people to literally uh, get outside and do something that scares the S-H apostrophe T <laughs> out of themselves yes. today and in this year. I want them to literally uh, have the best life possible. And it's not possible by doing the same thing you've been doing all along.
1: That is true. Get out of that comfort zone.
0: <laughs> Get out of that comfort zone. Step outside. Enjoy it. Because there's a wonderful world out there, Laura. And people need to, to do that, you know. And, yeah. you know, growing is what it's all about. And, yeah. and the thing is, you're either growing or you're dying. And it's your choice. You really have to decide what you're into. Yep,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. There's there's no such thing as stability. There's just not.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, Laura, you know, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to?
1: Yeah, if they just go to my website, stretchintosuccess.com, um, you can book a call with me. If you want to have a conversation, you can see my menu. I have a podcast, Rat Race Reboot. There's all kinds of ways that we can connect. Um, so I, I would love to talk with you.
0: Fantastic. And for our listeners out there, if anybody would like to get in touch with me, all my information's on my website, Dr. D-R-Ellen, A-L-L-E-N, Lyca, L-Y-C-K-A, Love to chat with you. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. This was was a lot of fun, and I want you to have a a fantastic day and a fantastic year.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, It was my pleasure, and I really appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Talk to you soon, audience. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode.